0: Hello and welcome. I'm Chris Neeland, host of Cult Brand Secrets. This podcast is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts and The Gathering. The Gathering is a Forbes top-rated business summit, and it's a masterclass for brand leaders hoping to reap the benefits of having hyper-engaged customers, prospects, and staff. In every episode, I present one of industry's biggest disruptors a brand leader who is earning cult-like status by thinking and behaving differently than his or her mediocre peers. These brand leaders will share examples of how their companies, such as Marvel, M&Ms, Beats by Dre, Yeti, or the Dallas Cowboys, are spending their time and their resources creating advocates by enhancing their customer and their employee experiences in ways that make interacting with them irresistible. So check out all our episodes to gain access to the most impressive business leaders sharing their most important advice. I vividly remember watching Joanna Ferris, who's the GM of Call of Duty that's at Activision, as she gave her presentation at the gathering. At one point, I remember turning to my wife and I said, you know, it's no wonder that our boys play so much Call of Duty. This entire franchise is awesome. In fact, I asked her, why aren't we playing Call of Duty with them? This just seems awesome. You know, everything about this brand and about Joanna's presentation was just so engaging, so immersive, so interactive, so action packed. I just loved every minute of it. And as you're soon going to discover, Joanna is this very competent and gracious leader. I love how she took a moment to acknowledge her privilege and our privilege. She reminded us that we're truly blessed to be able to work in a free country, to pursue our professional dreams, and to be paid to do work that we love. You know, as Joanna explains in her intro, she came to Call of Duty from the NFL. And there are lots of similarities between sports and gaming. Both are oozing with cult brand potential because of the passion and the level of enthusiasm that fans have for either their sports teams or their gaming systems. I remember back in year one of the gathering, we honored uh, the video game Madden, which was made by EA Sports. And their CMO explained to our crowd how they considered themselves the NFL's 33rd franchise. And Madden was at this intersection of real sports and esports. And I thought that they were the pinnacle of what gaming could achieve. And they were at the time, but now, Ten years later, I have fallen in love with Call of Duty and I'm not surprised to learn that it has been the number one gaming franchise for over a decade. And that type of success is only possible when you maximize all that is contained, not just within a video game, but within an entertainment property. And then you focus on being a leader in social good, and then you start adding on layers of fostering this avid community of fans. It's a complex cocktail of opportunity, and Joanna's gonna explain it far better than I can, but if you can do it, magic can happen. So let's tune in and learn from her experiences. Here's Joanne.
1: Thank you, thank you so much. I cannot tell you how grateful I am, first of all, to be alive, especially in these days and times, but I'm also super grateful for this badass DJ over here, Pat. Can we give it up for Pat? He has been grooving all day, and I'm loving the Mariah, so thank you. I'm also just deeply, deeply grateful to be in rooms together with real humans doing human connection things again. And I, if you don't know, am a massive introvert, so coming from me, that's a big statement. Um, But I really am. And of course... I'm most grateful to everybody here at the gathering, starting with Stephanie. I know Ryan um, teed off yesterday with that. What an amazing leader. She has made this so easy (laughs) to be a part of. So Steph, wherever you are, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. To Ryan, to Chris, to everybody at the summit, it is very, very clear how special this gathering really is and how much work and detail and consideration you and the entire team have put into it. So on behalf of Activision Blizzard, on behalf of Call of Duty and personally, I just want to really thank you for an amazing time. Um, Before we dive in and talk about some really cool stuff, I do want to also just take a little bit of a moment of reflection to acknowledge the privilege that we all have to get together, um, but also just given everything else that's going on in the world right now. You know, at the same time, while we get to do amazing things and have incredible gatherings like this, in particular, the people of Ukraine and the region over there are not having nearly as good a time. And I just want to take a moment to just recognize the context, um, the pain and the incalculable losses that many other human beings in the world are going through, and to lift them up in prayer and support. I will say it's been incredibly inspiring in particular to see how much the gaming community has rallied in support of the people of that region, um, raising an enormous amount of funds and collectively, again, just reinforcing how amazing I think gamers really are, not only in terms of their passion for um, our IP, but All over the world, gamers continue to step up and be healers um, when the call comes. And so just want to acknowledge that um, before, again, we we get into hopefully a lot of fun stuff. Um, But frankly, as I think a lot of speakers have already mentioned, we've all been through it. It's been a heck of a two years, right? And so there really isn't anyone I can think of that hasn't been... Impacted or gone through a tremendous amount of pain, isolation, psychological trauma, and certain real and palpable loss in the face of a global pandemic. I think it's really interesting, too. We've been talking about reflection, pausing, sabbaticals tomorrow, which I'm very excited about, that the very nature of the pandemic actually attacks the breath. Um, And, of course, um, the breath is not only our circulatory center, but it's our spiritual center in many ways. And so there are so many levels to how I think we've all been impacted in this moment. And I think it's not by accident that those of us who are lucky to stand here and get together again, having pressed on and survived it, hopefully we can acknowledge that we will never, in fact, be the same. There's no such thing as going back to the good old days. Those days are done and that we're all still processing it. So I know we're going to share a lot of cool stuff and the sizzle videos say only a part, but I for one know that a lot of us are dealing with a lot of things underneath the surface. So check in, just check in with yourself. I know I need it. Check in with your people. Um, I think they need it too. And hopefully as we go forward here, we can start to engender different, maybe more vulnerable, maybe more empathetic conversations and, frankly, with a lot more courage, having withstood it. But I promise it won't be all heavy preamble from this point on. There is a lot of fun to talk about. It's an incredible time for the gaming industry and, in particular, for Call of Duty. And for those who do work with me, they know how serious I am about the word fun. I actually firmly believe that it's not just an emotion or a happenstance. It's actually a strategy. And as leaders, if you wield fun as a strategy the right way, it can have very potent and powerful impact. Um, And especially perhaps now in these days and times more than ever, having the privilege and the opportunity to create joy and spread that all over the world through the franchise that we get to work with is as meaningful as ever. So we don't take it lightly and it certainly has been quite the joy ride for all of us here at Call of Duty. As I get into it, the, the gathering team also asked that I weave in a little bit of my personal journey. I promise I will do some of that. I will try and braid it in so I don't bore you to death with a linear um, bio track, but I do want to kind of talk about the journey, because it is important, and yet shine a light on the true star of the show, which is our beloved franchise, which is now going on almost 20 years of dominance. So to start, I share a pretty mind-boggling stat. Number one for 14 years running. And for those of you who may not realize, this stat is hard enough to achieve once in a franchise's life cycle. But to do it consistently year after year after year for 14 years straight is simply epic. And hopefully most of you have already heard of Call of Duty. If you haven't, just find the nearest teenage, college-aged boy and he will be able to explain it to you. Um, But I don't know if everybody fully appreciates the origin story, so I wanted to give a little bit of flavor into where it all started some 19 years ago. It was back in 2003, well before I was in the position that I'm in now. But it was launched only on PC at the time, and it had this tagline that no one fights alone. And this little video game, simply titled Call of Duty, really captured the world by storm. It was sort of drafting off of a lot of other popular military genres of the time. Think Band of Brothers, think... Saving Private Ryan, but this was delivering immersive, interactive gameplay in a World War II-themed atmosphere, such like the world had never experienced before, and certainly the gaming world would never be the same. Since its initial launch, the development teams have continued to pump out epic, fresh, new versions of Call of Duty Year after year after year, so much so that fans all around the globe started to set their watch and mark their calendars for the next drop. It became Call of Duty time, a true holiday unto itself, and soon after Call of Duty expanded beyond PC, onto major consoles, the likes of PlayStation and Xbox and much, much more. And the records would continue to flow in, and what had begun as one game on one platform soon started to flourish, to become one of the biggest and most talked about, most engaging and highly anticipated entertainment properties in the world. And along the way, Call of Duty also started to expand as a leader in the corporate social responsibility area. Of course, now every brand probably has a CSR vector, but back in 2009, Call of Duty was actually leading in this space in gaming with the founding of the Call of Duty Endowment. And since its founding back in 2009, the endowment has successfully placed veterans in high-quality jobs and careers honoring those who serve and protect our freedoms each and every day. And it has also helped veterans capture nearly $6 billion in first-year salaries, and its impact continues year-round. All in, with more than 100 million die-hard players playing Call of Duty each and every month, it is no surprise as to why so many people started to say, cod is life. You'll find that on Twitter if you don't already hang out there. And I love that phrase. And we embrace it and the massive stature that it evokes, but also the great expectations that comes with that amount of brand love. In fact, the first time I heard the phrase cod is life was actually in my early stints some years ago on the competitive side of Call of Duty, which we'll talk more about. So here's an image of some of the most passionate fans not playing, but attending as spectators to watch their best of the best Call of Duty players compete on major stages for major prizing affectionately called eSports. And it was well before I joined this picture. This was back in Anaheim. And... Yet it was clear that something new was also brewing within the ecosystem of Call of Duty itself, and that was the case for most video games at the time. And it's also the reason that I stand here today at all speaking to you. See, I in many ways still fashion myself a sports executive, and so I appreciate this kind of headline that came out by ESPN about eight years ago in 2014, where it was very clear that mainstream media believed that esports was in no way sports. And back then, esports was widely misunderstood, myself included, and oftentimes thought of as a joke at best. Um, And many questioned its validity entirely, especially in the mainstream sports and entertainment world. And I would say that most people seeing this headline agreed with the statement, would have voted for that hot take. And in fact, many still might. But what they didn't realize when it was coming out back then is that there was a tidal wave brewing that had been already building for well over a decade, multiple decades, in fact, And it was all under our noses as sports executives, to be honest. And it wasn't dissimilar, in my opinion, from maybe hip-hop in the 80s or social media in the early 2000s, where it was big, but it wasn't overground quite yet. And whether or not you agree with that statement... The case is true that millions of video game players were starting to galvanize to watch the most elite video game players compete on these stages, and they were creating their own mega communities around that shared interest. So bear with me just out of sheer respect for that. If you learn only one thing from this speech, let it be. How the hell do you spell esports? This is probably the hottest debate of all. Um, but honestly, um, you know that ESPN headline of Paterade, arguably that was published back in 2014, um, was was real. And this is what I was up to back in 2014. I was working at the biggest, baddest, boldest sports league of them all at the National Football League. And I know Tim's here and he'll talk more about what they're up to now. I was serving back then in 2014 as VP of Marketing Strategy and Fan Development. Long way of saying, cool fucking job got to do amazing stuff, deliver so many cool initiatives. This is just one example I could have put on a dozen, but this is when we were given the opportunity to really rethink the spring side of the calendar and the draft and taking it out of Radio City Music Hall in New York City and starting to transform it into a veritable traveling circus. So this is an image of when we took the draft out of New York and put it in Chi-Town, and you had about a quarter of a million people over the course of those three days coming out to celebrate. And again... I could have shown a lot of other examples here. It was just such an amazing ride. And as a sports industry executive, I really couldn't have imagined doing anything cooler than that. So you can imagine that when I get this call from Activision Blizzard saying, hey, we wanna make the world believe that esports actually is a sport, and we want you to come and help do that on the banner of Call of Duty, I was not in any kind of mindset necessarily to make that kind of jump. Um, It was a huge professional leap, one of high risk and potential reward. And it was also a risk to do the mental gymnastics of trying to be as ambitious and convincing as this exercise. So the decision did not come lightly. And after much painstaking back and forth... Well, that and frankly, I got out of my head a little bit and got into my calculator and I started to run the numbers on gaming. I started to run the numbers on competitive gaming. And when I really started to think rationally, it was very clear to me that, whoa, this thing is going to be pretty, pretty big. And I would love to be a part of something like that. So I ultimately decided to fly out of the nest and do that crazy thing and leave the big leagues, so to speak, to do something unexpected. But I will be honest, when I first made that decision, it was dark, it was gloomy it was not flashy and exciting i was really struggling and most of the time i was just thinking about what i could lose in the process i was thinking about all the risk all the potential downside i was thinking about my why my why being my family that i was uprooting the stability that i that my husband and i had that we were uprooting our two young children moving from the east coast to the west but also just the sheer huge ambitious agenda that we were going to have to try and deliver to launch this new charter for eSports as a relative outsider to the core community that I was going to be leading. And we've talked a lot about belonging today. And so in many ways and shapes and forms, I did not necessarily feel like an insider. It actually reminds me, of this song by Chris Stapleton that I absolutely love. Any Stapleton fans out there? Yes, okay, I'm not alone, amazing artist. And it's called Starting Over. And it so aptly captures how I was feeling, all the mixed emotions that I was going on in my head and wrestling with at the time. And there's this line that you know he hits on in the song where he says, now this might not be an easy time there'll be rivers to, to cross and hills to climb. And that's exactly how it felt. But I also go here, to be honest, because in full transparency, in addition to being a business executive, I'm a musician and a vocalist. And so music is absolutely very much in my bones. And it's often where I go in times of deep waters. And so I love this line because it encapsulates so much about the journey of stepping into the unknown when you can't see the end state, when you are taking the risk and you have to really build the plane as you go. But nonetheless, I joined the ranks of Activision at that time as commissioner of Call of Duty Esports back in 2018. And what has transpired since has been nothing short of incredible.
0: You're listening to Cult Brand Secrets. We'll be right back
1: You see, when I joined back in 2018 with a pen and a white sheet of paper and this big old task, a lot of other things started to happen in the Call of Duty franchise, which only reflects its magnificence on so many levels. I was hard at work building out the team and the vision for Cod Esports. But in the fall of 2019, Call of Duty released Modern Warfare, which soon grew to become its biggest selling title in our history. Literally weeks later, Call of Duty expands onto mobile, the fastest growing platform in all of gaming, to the tune of 100 million plus downloads in its first week, and now enjoys well over half a billion downloads all over the world. We launched... Three months later, in January of 2020, January 2020, uh, with our remit. And the plan was to go all over the globe with live events, but we were able to pivot and still keep the train on the track with fully online remote competitions. And we ended up being able to do a pretty good job. We broke um, all kinds of viewership records in its inaugural season and very humbled to have been recognized as the eSports League of the Year in 2021. And then this little old thing launches three months after that in March of 2020. And... Couldn't have asked for maybe better timing, I suppose, given everyone was looking for very new and different ways to gather in the wake of the COVID pandemic. And uh, Warzone, frankly, just completely blew the doors open all over again for this franchise. It was a free way to play Call of Duty, first of all. And it was also its foray into the mega popular genre of battle royale. Um, but so many reasons to fully believe that the best days for Call of Duty are, in fact, ahead of us, which is pretty crazy to think about for a 20-year-old brand. So I'll just close in saying that that picture that I had in my head that was all dark and foggy that I shared before is transformed to be something more akin to this, like the beautiful town of Banff that we're in right now. And much like its stunning grandeur, The road that went from the unknown into the possible is now an experience that feels like it's teeming with possibility, color, creativity. Um, It's still scary. It still has its danger zones, for sure. It's still very challenging in many ways. But it has been an adventure of a lifetime. And it continues to unfold. And it's pretty crazy to think about in the space that we occupy, it's really only capped by the Reaches of our own imaginations. And it brings me back to that Stapleton track, which goes on to say, actually, in the second verse, that someday we'll look back and smile and know it was worth every mile. But honestly, what's made it worth every mile, and I've said this ad nauseum since I took the job three and a half years ago, is the people. It's the people also happens to be one of our five values in the workplace at Activision, and it couldn't be more true from my experience. Uh, And it's something that I now understand that the real question, at least for me, is to realize that it's a lot less about what you're going to be able to do. It's about who you're going to be able to do it with. Who would you be proud to win with? Who would you be proud to fail with? Thank
0: you. I really appreciated Joanna starting her remarks by sharing the difficult decision she had to leave the NFL to join Activision. You know, most of us would consider her role at the NFL a dream job, but she clearly yearned for more, and she had a mindset that refused to settle for safe or the status quo. You now, I learned a long time ago that if you wanna have an exceptional life, you need to make exceptional choices. Courage and comfort cannot coexist. And so if you're keen to do something bigger or better or bolder, then you need to make big, bold decisions that will scare you. I hope that we can all find ways to push ourselves beyond our comfort zones and strive for even greater greatness. Part of what I was so fascinated about with Call of Duty is that it's not just this great game, but it's also like this whole genre. It's kind of this pioneer for eSports. It started this movement in mobile gaming, and it's pushing just so many boundaries and really redefining what it even means to be a game. The best players in this space are now considered athletes and entertainers and celebrities. They're not even just gamers anymore. I think we can learn so much from studying Call of Duty and witnessing how they tap into culture and how they feed their community with newness, and they offer surprise and delights, and they partner with gamers to co-create experiences and enhance the game features that keep their offering irresistible. I really hope that you enjoyed Joanna as much as I did. And I hope that you can connect some dots between what she's trying to do in her world and how those principles can apply to whatever sphere of influence you have within your own company and category. I firmly believe that the more we can expose ourselves to greatness and witness how different industries are competing and winning, then the more opportunities we'll have to cherry pick some best practices and implement solutions that we discover elsewhere to better deliver on our own customers' expectations and make them increasingly loyal to our brand. Until next time. You've been listening to Cult Brand Secrets, where we share the best insights gleaned from The Gathering, an annual summit for brand leaders eager to make their companies more successful and more significant. Learn more about The Gathering at cultgathering.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please rate and review us in your podcast app. Cult Brand Secrets is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Special thanks to our producer and audio engineer, William Pritz, as well as our executive producers, David Moss and Bridget Coyne. I'm your host, Chris Nealon. Thanks for listening.